Hi, and welcome to Zernona Clayton, the podcast. I'm your host, broadcast journalist, and also a family friend, Michelle Miller. And we'll hear from Ms. Clayton, or as I like to call her, Biggie. Big or the queen of the town. She is an incredible, wonderful, brilliant woman who for the last 93 years has been an activist, a civil rights visionary, and a broadcast media pioneer. Oh, what a life she's led. So Ted Turner, how did you meet him? Because you were at TBS. You meet him before or after you came on board TBS? No, it was after that day when I decided to leave my show and not re-sign. He came in the office. This is so interesting. They were building CNN into the building uh, that he, already, he had bought. So now they're creating CNN. And he came down. His office was upstairs, and he came downstairs looking for somebody who had a coffee machine because he wanted a cup of coffee and couldn't find anybody. He ran into me, and um, he knew... And it was that good-smelling coffee used to make at Little's house. Yes, exactly. That's right. With a little cream. That's right. That's right. And the sugar. Oh, it was such a distinctive taste, Yes, yes, yes. But Ted was looking for coffee, and um, he says, what are you doing here so early? I said, oh, I come here. I can think better in the mornings. And then he came. I said, but come on in my office. I'll give you a fresh cup. He came into my office that morning, and that was the beginning of a daily coffee clutch uh, whenever he stayed over, because he didn't live here. He lived in South Carolina at the time, but if he had a meeting in Washington or had some business in Atlanta, he'd spend the night in his own uh, place upstairs. But that was the beginning of our relationship, and... Every morning, if he's in town, he was in my office having coffee. Every morning. What would you talk about? Everything. Ted Turner is probably the smartest person I've ever met. He knew religion. He knew music. He knew sports. He knew, well, he knew little sports. But he knew everything. He could quote the Bible better than the minister could. And I was fascinated by his, the breadth of his knowledge about everything, science, religion, I mean, everything. He was the most fascinating person uh, to me. And so we'd get in discussions, music. Then, of course, you know, he was not so, but you're known as a womanizer. You know, you don't have that much time to spend if you womanize and uh, how you learn about all the things you learn. And anyway, we started talking about, you know, views on issues and would have uh, science, you know, but he knew so much more than I knew. But I used to talk to him about the way men treat women. And I said, you know, men ought to just have an equal respect for women. And, you know, we're kind of old-fashioned. Women still like the fact that you'll pull the chair out if you're in a restaurant, open the door if you're in, you know, little, little things mean just as much to us as big things. And he used to say, oh, that's hogwash. And so, so now, as I said, he slept upstairs in his office and he used to have nothing but a towel around his body. And he'd come downstairs to go get the coffee and go back up with this car. So this one day, I, oh, my goodness, uh, you're not dressed? He said, no. They thought I was a burglar when I came in the other night. 
And so I said, women like for man to, even the simplest thing, little things mean a lot to women, just show respect. And so I'm giving him this lecture. So now he said, oh, to heck with that. He said, but I'm going to show you something, so go to my office. And now he's got a hot cup of coffee in one hand, and he's holding his, the towel around his body in the other. And he gets to the door, so, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'll get the door. <laughs> I'll get the door this time. I knew he wasn't going to let that hot cup of coffee go in. <laughs> so I opened the door, we fell out laughing. But we would have laughter, deep thinking stuff. I mean, as I said, he knew much more than I ever knew. But he knew everything. I was so fascinated with his knowledge. People thought he was a buffoon in some circles, you know. And I learned to appreciate the depth of his knowledge and the breadth of his experience. And, oh, I found him interesting. But he found me deep. He said that I had a sensitivity that matched the kinds of things he wanted his station to be and his network to be. And that was the beginning of those long uh, visits that we'd have in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. And uh, he finally said, you know, things like he liked the way I thought. He learned to trust me. And I would talk to him about issues and I wasn't afraid just because he's the boss. I didn't run away from him because he was the boss. Uh, and I remember that a story said Floyd, but what was the uh, Rodney King, the Rodney King case where the, a black guy was beaten so severely? I said, well, is Mr. Turner in town? He said, no. Uh, I said, well, can anybody call him? And, you know, he needs to say something to us because everything broke out here in Atlanta. It was just awful. Well, of course, all over the country. A lot of our employees were hurt and severely injured from fights and all the battling was going on. And there were people who disagreed with me, and I said, well, does anybody object if I talk to him when he calls in? And so they said, no, you can talk to him. You know. So when he called in, I told him that I thought he could calm my storm if he made some statements. And he said, oh, so no, I won't get in the middle of all that. I said, it's not getting in the middle. This is no longer a thing that you can duck from. You know, we're in an issue now where black folk and white folk are battling. And we just can't lose, you know, the, the realms of our country without, you know, somebody taking the reins here and act like we can add some sense to it. And I said, especially your employees. And... That was the beginning of his seeking my advice and opinions on major issues. So I became his confidant of sorts where he wasn't just the boss, but I was not afraid to speak out and criticize something that we were doing at the company that I didn't think was kosher. And then I helped improve the race relations of the company because we had some supervisors and uh, department heads who were not quite in sync with what was the thinking of the times that we're all equal and should have the same opportunities in the job market as anybody else. And so then I would talk to those department heads because I wasn't af afraid of talking. I thought it was a responsibility that I could assume to say, we're all in this together. We're a family, some white and some black and some you know Asians and some from different countries and worlds. But we can all work here together. We can love each other in spite of this. And Ted let me just go rampant with it. 
And then I became kind of like the voice of the conscience of the company. Did, did you ever have any influence over hiring decisions? No, but when there was trouble, a lot of the employees were complaining that they weren't moving. They weren't going upward and they weren't coming in. They'd go to a college and pick some students to be all white, non-black, certainly. And we would then stack in the company with employees that all looked alike. And I just said, you know, that's not good, you know, health environment in which to work. And didn't mind saying that uh, because I knew he would back me and because he felt the same as I did about, you know, human issues. Did you ever call him Ted? All the time. He made you to call him Ted. He said, oh, what's Mr. Turner? Call me Ted. (laughs) But not in front of people. Yeah, oh, I wouldn't do it in front of people. I wouldn't do it. And he understood that that line for you. Well, I think he understood that I always try to act with good sense. I mean, I didn't try to have any special relationship with him. Everybody else noticed that we had a special relationship. When um, they moved over in this fancy building across the street, everybody wanted to move from where we were to this lovely building downtown. And I never asked, and he finally said, Sir, no, no, I want you down here with me. And I said, fine. I you know to myself, I'd love to be out in this beautiful building. And the guy who was my supervisor didn't want me to move and have a better office than what we all were having crowded over in the other building. And um, one day we had an all-staff meeting, all 700 people, and... Uh, Ted said, Zernona, when are you moving over here? And I said, oh, I've already moved. And he said, well, where are you? And I said, I'm down on the fourth floor. He said, the fourth floor? How in the world did you get there? I said, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't assign myself. You know, the moving people did. And his office was up on the 11th or 12th, I think. And it was much nicer. The higher you go, the nicer it was. And he said he wanted me close to him. And, of course, that made everybody mad because he talks loudly. And he said before 700 people, uh, Zernona, I want you on the same floor with me, which was the executive floor. Beautiful relationship. Beautiful relationship. He told a group of people one night, he said, I absolutely love Zernona. He said, if she were in a burning building... I'd go in to retrieve her because I wouldn't want anything to happen to her. That's how much I love her. Then he said to my husband, he said, of course you do the same thing when you Paul said, no need of both of us going into the burning building. (laughs) 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 That's the husband who said that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But, um, I love that there's such deprecating. Mm-hmm. He, there's Judge Paul knows. I mean, he must know. <laughs> you know that was, the fact that he wasn't falling all over you. Yeah, right. Big, yeah, right. Probably so helped the relationship. Uh-huh. When you think about what was the one thing you remember about opening the eyes of Ted Turner? I mean, did you open his eyes to anything? that shocked him he didn't know about? I don't think so. Ted was already committed to causes, and 
he wanted, I think, to be sure that we try to have equality. But he used to come to my office to talk about Martin Luther King. He said, I just regret so much that I never got a chance to meet him. And he'd ask me questions, and we'd have a session on enlightening him on Martin Luther King. Ted had it in him to do the right thing. And so I didn't have anything to do with that. I'd maybe enlarge the scope because I knew Martin Luther King so well. And being black, I knew fighting the warriors of justice was one issue that we all had to participate in if we wanted to have better lives. And so one thing I liked about our relationship is that I knew that I could talk about the real issues with him. And when I, that we had trouble in the company with employees who didn't feel like they got a, you know, right opportunity, the treatment wasn't equal. I could take that to Ted and he'd understand. And a lot of times I said to him, I'm having a meeting with the minority employees because they're not happy and I need your presence. Would you stay with me after work today? And he would say yes. And I would tell them, the employees, you know, I asked him to stay, and he did, because I want you all to know that I have the blessings from on high that we're going to try to straighten out these ugly spots in our company and make it a great company. And Ted Turner is willing to help me do that. How did you cut through some folks, I'm sure not everyone at the station was welcoming you with open arms. (laughs) That's right. As a matter of fact, the woman who was the receptionist, when she found out that I had asked to have a party, make the opening like we do in Hollywood, make this big, Uh, everybody's going to see a show you haven't seen before, blacks and whites together. And when she found out we were going to have a party, she said, I'm not staying. She worked in the evening. She didn't get off from work till about 7 o'clock. And she said she'd have to go home by herself. And when the neighborhood found out I was black with a television program on their station, they'd do bodily harm to her, and so she quit. And I said, well, she missed meeting Harry Belafonte and Sidney Poitier and all the people. Everybody was wild about Everybody else was thrilled to death when they walked through that door. It was a hallelujah day for almost everybody. But there were times, I'm sure there were producers and reporters, executives. How did you win them over? Well, I didn't have to do a lot. I just came in. When they invited me in, I just talked to myself. I mean, talked to them about, you know, what kind of program I saw was the one. They said, you, you call the shots. They let me hire and fire people, gave me the freedom, and I did it one night because I had a black and a white guest sitting side by side. When you look at the monitor, you could see the, the black guy, and you could see nothing but his eyes and his teeth. And the white man, we could see all of his features. And I asked the question, could you balance that so that they both look natural? He said, it doesn't matter. And I said, I asked you to change that. I don't know what to do with it. He refused. And I called upstairs, and the bosses were still there, but they had a meeting, and they were still in the building. So I said, were you serious when you said I could hire and fire? And he said, yes. I said, okay, I'm about to do it. So I fired the, the cameraman right on the spot. 
that was the end of my problems. I didn't have another problem because I had, you know, the boss's good wishes, you know. Wow, big. Mm -hmm. Their numbers went up significantly. <laughs> you weren't afraid? No. Why not? I wasn't doing anything that would necessarily cause fear. Unhappiness is different from fear. I made them mad, but I wasn't killing anybody. I was just doing that, which now I'm in charge. I put on the elements that I consider healthy and worthy of exposure. And that's all I did. I know, but people could be mad at you. I mean, he could yeah. have followed. I mean, people hold grudges. I know, but I didn't have any problems. None whatsoever. None. He wanted me to be happy there. Just the thought of my leaving would just not please him at all. But I was happy because I was going through the best years of my life with decent salaries, respect. And when he married Jane, they would take me on the private plane to go to meetings, protests in Washington, and things like that. Did you and Jane, like, have, because, I mean, Jane Fonda was known to be a rabble-rouser, known to hit protest issues of equality and fairness. I mean, did you guys hit it off? Yeah, the first, first day she came, everybody was waiting her because she's a movie star coming, and everybody was so excited. Well, I didn't want to act excited. And when they came up, Ted talked so loudly, you could hear him coming down the hall. My office was to the left, and in order to go to his office, you have to go to the right. And he said, wait a minute, Jane, before we go to my office, I want you to go to Zernona's office. I want you to meet her. So everybody was lined up. The men were waiting to see this gorgeous movie start. I said, I'm not, I can't do that, you know, line up and wait for her. But I'd read about it and admired some of her causes. But he brought her directly to my office first, so I was the first one to meet her. She was nice to me, and he would uh, come and joke about the fact that she wanted him to eat healthy, and he wanted a hamburger <laughs> all the time. And he said, oh, I can't, I can't get along with this menu planning that she comes up with. And so I said, well, sometimes you have to do what you may not like, but it's best to do it. You know, we like, I wasn't going to take sides <laughs> with a married couple, you know. You didn't slide him a, a, a hamburger? No. <laughs> he no, couldn't find I, a hamburger in your no, office? I, 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 I wanted to help him out, but no, I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so tell me the story about technology. He was concerned about the technology. Yeah, he said, you think we'll ever master this? And I said, well, I'm not sure it's kind of hard for me, but I'll tell you what, since you got a class going, let's go to school and we'll learn it. You know, and we learn the proper way, we'll master it. So we went on in and sat there like little boys and girls. And I reached You and Ted the, Turner uh, in, a, in Ted a class among... So there was a lady over here, I said, is this a beginner's class? And she said, yes. I said, oh, good. Now, then I wanted further verification. So the lady, the teacher said, okay, we're ready now. Is everybody ready? And they said, yeah. I said, miss, could I ask a question, please? Is this a beginner's class? And so she said, yes. Everybody in here a beginner? She said, yes. I said, okay, kid, we're in the right place. And this one lady said, oh, miss, before we start, can I check my email? 
I said, wait a minute. <laughs> she said, this is, how'd she know about email? <laughs> and she's a beginner. Where did she learn that? She's not a beginner. And I said, Ted, come on, let's get out of here. You know, and I said, this is not a beginner's class. If she knows email and we ain't never nothing but heard about it, then this ain't no beginner's class. Let's get out of here. He said, okay, let's go. And we walked out and we ain't learned nothing since. You know? <laughs> Did he share his dreams for CNN with you? I mean, was it already a foregone conclusion by the time you met him? It was already in the works when I came. But what I did, and I had a lot of laughs about this, when they were putting the finishing touches on CNN, um, it was in the back of our building, and they just took a section of it and carved it out and made it CNN location. But they couldn't have food in the area because there was a sewer problem that had to be solved. And I was away speaking for the company uh, on a business trip, and they called me with an urgent message to come home right away. And what it was for is that they felt like I was the only one that could go down to City Hall and get the fathers to change this law, the sewer line, the Pipes weren't in right, and they couldn't open CNN. And I said, oh, gee whiz, y'all called me home for that. So sure enough, I went to City Hall and asked them to give us a waiver so you could do that. And then when they opened up, I said, now do I get a free lunch? And they said, oh, no, you got to pay for your lunch. But I did help uh, open up the gates. That was a, a thrilling moment inside of me, as important as all these people were, as big as Ted was, I had to be the one to remove the source, block it. <laughs> was that during Maynard Jackson's administration? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. You knew a little somebody, huh? I, I knew a little somebody. <laughs> you usual, you know. It's about relationships. Mm-hmm. I Sometimes I feel that people are made to feel bad about that, but yeah. it's you can build a relationship from scratch just as easy as you can have a relationship that precedes the opportunity. But it's important to, if not already established, to establish them and to keep them healthy, is it not? Of course. Thank you for joining us for our special podcast series with the incomparable Zernona Clayton. If you enjoyed today's conversation with Big, we hope you'll come back next time for more insider stories and reflections from one of the first ladies of the civil rights movement. Subscribing makes it easy. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. And please, please be sure to rate and review us to help others find the show. This has been Zernona Clayton, the podcast, a production of Boom Integrated and DA Brand Activation Group. Our podcast is executive produced by Naima Rashad, Dennis Adamovich, Adrian Glover, and Robin Lai, with post-production by Boom. I'm Michelle Miller, your host. Thanks so much for listening. And don't miss the documentary, Zenona Clayton, A Life in Black and White, available anytime on Brown Sugar 
Bounce TV's subscription video on demand service. Download the Brown Sugar app today on your phone, PC, or smart TV. Go to brownsugar.com for more information.